Today, I'm talking with Savannah Ware, Chief City Planner for the City of Grand Prairie. Savannah talks with me today about all kinds of topics, from zoning to long-term planning to moratoriums. She does a great job of talking to me about what all of these things mean to give us a better understanding as citizens about how this part of our city government functions. I appreciate her taking the time to talk with me. It was a very informative hour and I hope listeners get great takeaways from it. This is the first interview in a new series that I'm hoping to continue about the inner workings of our city government. Leave me a comment on our Facebook page on what department you'd like to learn about next. Now, without further ado, here is Savannah Ware. And I kind of want to know, because you and I have never, have never met each other before. <laughs> and so, um, so the way that this kind of got started was Charles Luckert, which I don't know if you know Charles, but he's with Grand Prairie at a Glance on uh, his Facebook groups. And he kind of, he and I are friends, he contacted me and he said, the most engagement I get from any posts are when people talk about new builds, apartment buildings, construction, traffic, everything having to do with like city planning. He goes, do you think you could call Savannah and ask her just to explain some things? And I said, that's actually a really great idea. So I'm kind of curious, what is your title? And kind of tell us a little bit about what you do every day. So I am the city's chief city planner and I work in the planning division, which is a part of the planning and development department. And we've got a total staff of about six people. Uh, we interact with a lot of other divisions through what we do. And really our activities can kind of be uh, thought of in two different areas. So the comprehensive planning, which is the long-term big picture stuff. Uh -huh. um, and it is about the city's comprehensive plan, which is a roadmap. Where are we right now? How many people are living in the city of Grand Prairie? What are the industries that are here? What's the land use? The next question is, well, where do we want to go in 20 years? What do we want the city of Grand Prairie to be like? What are the things that are important to us? And the final question is, well, how do we get there? What tools do we need to do uh, to have in our toolbox to make that happen? And the other area of our act activities are, are around current planning mm -hmm. that is reviewing development requests like zoning changes and site plans uh, and administrating the Unified Development Code, which is our subdivision regulations and our zoning requirements. And that's a lot of uh, the day-to-day -day stuff does deals with the comprehensive or the uh, current planning. So I'm really curious, what does one have to do to be able to do your job? Like what kind of education do you have to have or experience? <laughs> So one of the great things about planning is there's all different types of people who are planners. Some people are really interested in uh, green technology and preserving trees. Some people are really into creating trail networks and transportation. Other people are uh, really focused on downtown revitalization and architectural standards. And so there's a, a wide variety of people who, who are planners. And I think the, the most important things are being passionate about what you do and uh, really working with other people, kind of soaking up all this knowledge mm. and doing what you can to make the, the world a better place. It's, it's a lot. There's a lot of stuff that goes into what y'all do. And um, so are you from Grand Prairie? Is, no, I, I grew up in North Texas. Uh -huh. I have worked for the city for nine years and now I've lived in the city of Grand Prairie for four or five years. Okay, very cool. Grand Prairie is such a unique city in terms of how it's the, the outline of it, the length of it, and the fact that like 
it, it comes, it, it's in two different counties. And then we have school districts that are in three different cities if they're in Grand Prairie. So I'm curious, how do you, and we also have a north side that's been around for a very long time. And then a south side that goes down a lot further south than I think people really think um, that's still being developed. And even in that middle part. So do you find, I, I don't know, do y'all have unique challenges in that way that maybe other cities don't? Or do y'all, how do you how do you go about doing something that long and <laughs> varied? You know what I mean? That, that's a great point. And it is uh, kind of an odd, odd long shape it takes you know 30 40 minutes to get from the north side all the way down to the the etj or the extraterritorial jurisdiction and there's a lot of different types of development going on in all areas of the city there's great access along the highways and that creates some potential for developments along those highways but there's unique challenges that that also present opportunities so how do we create sense of place and identity when there's not really a, a true center it, you know the city's not a, a square and there's not an obvious center so how do we uh, deal with the different physical constraints and it, it's interesting because there's revitalization of, of older neighborhoods there's new development down in our, our etj which is the extraterritorial jurisdiction so it's not within the city boundaries but essentially it says grand prairie has first dibs on this land to annex it and so yes there's a lot going on and it it makes my job really interesting so is that down south like on the very southern port part of where grand prairie exists where you talk about the etj Yes. Yeah. Because Grimbury has done a lot of annexation. I, I try to kind of keep up with that and go through newspapers and kind of see when did we get this land and how far, because when, when my parents were, were kids, it was, it only went so far down in the city. And then when I was in high school, Westchester was brand new. So it was just right down below I-20. And then all the rest of that stuff keeps getting uh, but every time that we, it seems like we incorporate land every time that we decide to, to add and to grow, because it didn't always, it didn't start that big, obviously. Um, so at what point do you make a decision to actually annex land into a city? When does that become a decision that you make? So like, a lot of the, the annexations were done quite some time ago, mm -hmm. and we're just starting to see development in these certain areas just because of timing and extending infrastructure and when does the market make sense for a developer to put something in yeah so and and then you also have to put in all the infrastructure of water and where does all that come from and and pipes and that takes a long time and um you know when you're landlocked and your whole city is pretty well developed like, you know, Arlington is an example where you can't really expand the land. You know, those are all considerations. And I think you made a really good point that I hadn't really thought about is there really is no center. So how do you keep a community together when it comes to that kind of uh, link? Because there's a lot of places in the on the north side of town that I would guarantee a lot of people on the south side have never been to or eaten at and vice versa. So it's just kind of interesting. Um, so I guess uh, one of the questions that I'd sent to you, and I, the reason we kind of had this phone call is, what are some of the biggest like misconceptions or maybe things that we could explain to the public that you get the most of often about what planning and zoning is, what you're, you know, what are some of the questions that you get a lot that are misconceptions from the public? 
So I don't know that they're necessarily misconceptions. A lot of the, the questions we get are from people driving around, they see a big pile of dirt, uh, see a sign here that there's going to be a new development and, and want to know what's going on. And there's kind of a, a bigger picture. So the comprehensive plan, our vision, uh, some of the tools that we have in our toolbox are the zoning requirements and, and regulations. So the, the, the districts that uh, the city is divided into. So if you're in a single family zoning district, you can only build a single family house. If you're in light industrial, you can uh, build a, a large warehouse, but you can't uh, build a, a large warehouse right in the middle of a single family neighborhood. And so part of these uh, interactions with the public and questions that we get are really project specific. Uh -huh. And we get calls, you know, people have, have lived here for 30 years. They're used to the big green field behind their, their backyard being a big green field. And, and now there's something going in and it's change is hard. And so a lot of the, the questions are driven by that. How is it going to impact me? Is there going to be a lot of traffic? Uh -huh. What's going on? And I think this, this interview is a, a great idea to hopefully kind of explain some of the intricacies and moving parts that really go into the development process. When we get to, to the Planning and Zoning Commission and City Council, that's not the, the, the very beginning of it. There's been a lot of staff review and, and stuff going on behind the scenes. So I think having an understanding of that is, is great. It allows citizens uh, more time to get involved, understand the process and uh, figure out how they can be a part of that. Yeah, for sure. I, I, you know, having lived here for 41 years, I know it, it's hard for a city to go from a small town feel from like a, you know, a really country type um, have a small town feel, but a lot, you know, like a big city, um, to having a lot of development and things like that. It, it does take a lot of adapt, you know, having to adapt to the change that a city will go through. And I've always said, I say this publicly all the time. It's amazing to me that as a city being where we're located in the DFW Metroplex, that it's taken this long to get to this point because we've maintained that small town feel for a very, very long time. And then now it's kind of like, out of necessity, you know, there's people that want to come here. And now that we've got, you know, a lot of um, people working from home and people aren't having to maybe commute all the time, people are wanting to live in the suburbs and live and work and play and shop where they live instead of having to drive really far away. So I'm loving, you know, as a city, uh, as a citizen of the city, I love that there's things around me now. I have options to go eat. I have options to do all that stuff. Uh, but it does come with its challenges. You know, one of the questions I get asked as a realtor a lot is about zoning. And um, the, the misconception that I think I get is how quick people think you can change a zone. Like you can just change it just like that, or that you can enforce a zoning change on private land when someone doesn't want to do that. And so, I don't know, maybe you could talk a little bit about what are the different types of zones and kind of how does it work when you have to, or when you, when you need to change them or when you're trying to change them, how does that work? How long does it take? You know, those kind of things. Sure. So zoning is essentially the city's divided up into different districts. So uh, simply put, you have your residential and your non-residential uses within the residential. You have the single family districts, multifamily districts, then the non-residential you've got general retail, commercial, light industrial, heavy industrial, 
And so you, you know, think of the mom and pop shop on the corner, small restaurant, and then increasing the intensity of use to a really large warehouse with lots of trucks. So the, the zoning never heard about those before. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the zoning designation tells us a couple of things. It tells us what type of use can go at that location and what development standards that developers have to build to. So if you think back to the big picture of the comprehensive plan, one element of that is our future land use map. And that is the in 20 years, we want this area to be residential or commercial or high density residential. And when we get zoning change requests, that's one of the things we look at is what this person is proposing makes sense for this area. Does it match the future land use map? And that's kind of the, what we look at. So the zoning process, now I couldn't go in and file an application to change the zoning designation of your, your property you can file one an application yourself. And so you do that by uh, submitting the application. It goes through staff review. We look at, again, the, the things, does it make sense for the area? What are the implications? Uh, does it match the future land use map? We have a, a calendar that really sets our schedules and application to city council is about six to eight weeks. So there are steps that have to happen. So again, the application's kind of the start of it, goes through staff review. We've got state requirements to send out notices to property owners within 300 feet of that subject property. So if you ever get a, one of those letters in the mail, that is uh, why we send it to you. The uh, applicant has to post signs on the property. Mm -hmm. We've got to send legal notification to the Fort Worth Star Telegram. And all of these things have specific time frames that they've got to be done. So all of these steps um, happen. Then we go before the Planning and Zoning Commission. The applicant has submitted all these exhibits. So a concept plan, I'm going to put, you know, these buildings here, these, these uses here, and these are the proposed standards or the proposed zoning district. And staff writes up a report. And we essentially say, okay, this is what the developer is wanting to do. It is consistent or it's inconsistent with our comp plan. These are the standards they're proposing. It does or doesn't meet our unified development code. And the Planning and Zoning Commission uh, reads our reports. We present uh, the presentation at the meeting. The applicant has a chance to speak. Citizens can, can come to these meetings, hear what's going on. They have the opportunity to speak for or against. And then the Planning and Zoning Commission vote on a recommendation. So. They are not the final say in the zoning process. They make a recommendation to the city council. So then the, the next and final step is city council, where again, it's the same process. Staff presents, the applicant makes their case, citizens can speak for and against, and then the city council will make a vote. Yeah, that's that's another miss. And I was writing down a couple of things you were saying, because there was these are some questions that I, I also um, have people ask. City council is not, the ones that hear all these from the beginning. Like that is like just how you explain. And I think that a lot of people have this idea that you show up to a city council meeting, you tell them what you wanna do. And then all of a sudden they just make that choice and they're the ones that vote on it. But we have all these boards and commissions with the city for a reason. And the planning and zoning is probably in my opinion, one of the most impactful um, from an infrastructure perspective, obviously. Um, but they have a lot of 
responsibility and, um, you know, and people can actually be appointed to that commission. It is not something you have to run for. And I, I think that a one thing that I just, I try to beat everybody down about is if you really want to get involved, get on a border commission for the city. And a lot of times, some of these boards and commissions are very, are more time consuming than others. They require more um, due diligence to be paid and planning and zoning is, I've never been on the planning and zoning commission myself. I've been on a commission before, but planning and zoning um, from what I've heard is a little bit more time consuming. You have to listen to a lot more. Um, you have to do more due diligence, but you do have a say and you have the ability to have um, a voice heard on that commission. Um, and it's a really important commission. And, and a lot of times there are these commissions that city council that will go empty because they can't find anybody that's willing to serve on them. Um, and I wish that people knew that um, you can get appointed. I think that you serve terms on these commissions and boards and you get appointed by the person um, who has that. So like, let's say that city council, you, we have city council place one, they would appoint their own person onto that board or commission from their precinct. If they're out large, they would appoint somebody from their precinct. So there's all kinds of ways for people to get involved in this process. And that's really one of them. Um, and so I just wanted to make that point because I think that a lot of people don't know. But the other thing that you mentioned that I think is something people overlook a lot is you kind of talked about a long range plan and you said, okay, what do we want to look like in 20 years? And then you mentioned industrial. And this is something I hear a lot. And I, me living on the north side of town, I've done a lot of research into how the north side of town specifically got to look the way that it did. I lived in a house that was built by Dean Dolly, who used to be the city planner back in like the 50s. He was part of the development of the Great Southwest corridor over there. And he also was part of the development of Six Flags, which is all supposed to be part of like one big thing. So sometimes we forget that we're living in a, in a creation that was created a long time ago and you can't just go back and change it now because now we have it. So you can't just go back and just change all the industrial to being something else. But that was a really good point. And I, I don't know, maybe you could talk about it a little further is, you know, being a part of a plan now that was created a long time ago, this isn't just something that came up last month, you know, so I don't know. That was something, the industrial part of it just kind of sparked my, sparked my interest to kind of talk about that a little bit further, just planning from a planning perspective and, um, you know, changing things around once a city has been built is, is a lot more difficult than people think. I, I, I think, does that make sense? <laughs> it is. And, and we'll get calls from people who hear that, you know, there's a, a warehouse going up and they're concerned about truck traffic and, and, and they don't want that there. And, and we understand, we hear you, but if the zoning's there, if it's zoned for light industrial, then they can put the warehouse in. Now, one of the things we did in the past couple of years, we took a look at our industrial development standards. So the landscaping requirement, what, what area do we require? How many trees, how many shrubs, where uh, do these plantings go? What do they have to screen? Where do the dock, uh, truck docks face? What design requirements do we have for the building? So the, the goal was that we have the light industrial zoning in place, that use is allowed, but how can we require developers to build buildings and developments that are high quality, that maybe mitigate some of those concerns? So if there's a neighborhood nearby, maybe requiring a screening wall between the light industrial property and the residential property, having trees planted along that, 
So it, the, the process, you know, it was zoned quite some time ago and that use is there. But the other part of that is the unified development code. So those development standards, it's uh, about in between 500 and a thousand pages, but it's a working document. Like reading. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you've got a, a few hours, but it's, it's a working document. And one thing that we do is bring text amendments forward changing and refining these requirements to, to continually improve. And so the building that uh, an industrial developer built 40 years ago is not gonna be allowed today. We've kind of changed those standards. So thinking about uh, not just the use, but uh, what requirements make better developments, greater places. And, and so I, I don't know that people think about that level of detail all the time but right. you know if you're driving around maybe you have your favorite neighborhood your favorite store I, I challenge people to to get out of your car walk around think about why why do I like this place so much what what makes it great and those things those answers to those questions are what we try to incorporate into our development standards oh what a great point that is such a great point to make and y'all update those what every five years is when you look at them so the last comp plan update was in 2018. Uh-huh. And so that's kind of the, the big picture is the comprehensive plan. Then the tools, the way we implement that is the zoning and the development standards. And that's kind of updated continuously. Um, and we are actually just kicked off a update to the comp plan. We're starting in the south sector and kind of doing it by phases because again, the city is very long and narrow. Mm-hmm. And that, that's exciting to look at. I mean, we've seen a lot of growth in Grand Prairie. And so this is an opportunity to, to update that plan, even though it was done in 2018, things are moving fast. And so we wanna make sure that we're making the, the right decisions for the city, getting the, the high quality development. So when citizens think about planning and zoning, look for opportunities to be involved. I think volunteering for boards is a great idea. If you see on our website, citizen survey for the comp plan don't just ignore it it's a chance for you to tell us what you think what you like about the city what you wish was different that's a a tool that's really important in the comp plan update process it allows us to identify issues so truck traffic uh, congestion the design of buildings what you want to see i you know i want sit down restaurants or a grocery store and we take all of that feedback those surveys, the interviews with stakeholders and put that into the plan. So the, the zoning, it's, it's difficult to change, but there are opportunities and ways that citizens can get involved and, and tell us what you want Grand Prairie to be. Mm-hmm. And I think you made a great point earlier. You kind of said you, you can't file an application like on your neighbor, you can file one for yourself. And I think a lot of times homeowners and me being a realtor, you know, we're really concerned about, you know, homeowners, obviously. But we're concerned about everybody that owns property and real estate in the state of Texas. And we take property rights very seriously. And so just like you wouldn't want someone to come and rezone your house without your knowledge or consent, you can't just go in and rezone someone else's property without their consent either. So there is this idea that not only is it easy to change the zoning, but that you can also force a private citizen that they were, were land that they privately own into making it what you want it to be, you know, and it's like, you can't do that. And, and yes, that might be frustrating, but aren't we glad that we can't do that to, nobody can do that to our houses either. And um, 
So I just think that's a good point to make that sometimes we, we think we can just change things like that. Um, but you also made a really good point. And this is another thing that I, I think that if I'm, because I love to pay attention to all these groups on Facebook and I just like to see what people comment. The, the grocery store and the HEB thing is like, we can magically just bring any company that we want to to come into the city. But um, this this all goes into planning. And, and when you come to, the, I don't think that that's something that a lot of people really understand either is the complicated conversations that go on between a company like, like a large HEB and why would we bring an HEB to this location? Like what is going to be beneficial for us financially to have one here? Well, that's a lot. There's a lot that goes into that question. So do you guys, your, your particular um, office, do y'all work a lot with that? Or is that mostly like a, do y'all work with companies and try to bring them in? Or is that mostly a different type of department, maybe a city council or mayor type thing to try to bring in those people? Right. So that would be done by our economic development department. So they're, you know, recruiting particular businesses, looking for ways to, to bring them to Grand Prairie and the planning division. It's sort of related. We, we look more uh, broader picture. So the zoning, the commercial use is allowed. We're not looking at whether it's an HEB or a Tom Thumb or a Kroger's. And so the, the recruitment and the working with developers to get them to come to Grand Prairie is, is done by economic development. That's so interesting. Um, yeah, that's, that's a really interesting part of it sometimes that I think that you, and you, don't, you don't even know how complicated that is at times. And um, we're getting, you know, sprouts, I think, and everybody is over the moon. It's the same thing as when we got, like, I remember when we got, um, oh, what, did, what did we get over there? Uh, a Jake's I think it was a Jake's and I'm like oh my gosh we have a place that has brunch right in the middle of town and I'm like we're moving up in the world like we have all these like chain places where we don't have to drive so fast um but I think Grand Prairie does a good job with that said I think Grand Prairie does a good job of keeping the mom and pop and the local businesses and also having some of the bigger chains and having a mix and not having one take over the other but um so um what do you like I guess what would you wish that like citizens what would you what would you want to see more from the citizens in terms of involvement do y'all have a lot of involvement and in people that come to these meetings or would you want to see more of that that's a good question and it's really not just the city of grand prairie but the kind of planning profession is is getting meaningful interaction between the city planners and the public when we have these meetings, they're open for the public to attend. And a lot of the times we see people who are, are coming out in opposition. They're really worried about, you know, maybe an apartment complex coming in and don't want that to happen. So a lot of that is is reaction based on what they, wait, they don't want to see. And they can speak at the meeting. Um, and, and that's kind of totally different from what do you want? How mm -hmm. can we, you know, capture your hopes and dreams? And, and that's kind of where the comprehensive plan part comes in. And it's, it's difficult. I mean, you know, you've worked all day, you're tired, you just want to sit in your chair, relax, have dinner with your family. You don't want to go to a planning and zoning commission meeting. Right, and so right. I think part of that is, is we don't see tons of people turning out because they're really excited about a development that's coming. Uh -huh. And so it's, it's a partnership. It's on us to find ways to engage with people. And it's, 
it's up to, to people to, to interact with us and tell us, you know, what they want to see. So I, I, I think I've got some things I want to implement in the future on, on ways that we can kind of have conversations like this and get to know citizens in a different kind of arena than that planning and zoning commission meeting that's sort of formal and, and right. really just looking at one, one type of development. Yeah, and I think that making city government um, accessible in terms of, there's this idea, I think, that a lot of people really think that it's untouchable. Like, I don't know anybody there. I, it's not an accessible, like, I can't just call and talk to people. I mean, I literally called you and you called me back. It's not like, you know, it's not like I had to go through all these hoops and just to get you to be on here with me. I mean, you literally said yes. And I think a lot of people just have this idea that people in city government are really detached from them more than they are. And that is something I want to close that gap just and, and make it to where people understand y'all are here to help us. Y'all are here to hear us and to listen to us as citizens. Um, and so that's definitely something that I try to, as a realtor, when I talk to people and I try, you know, on this podcast is that's one of the things I wanted to do is to introduce my city, my city leaders to the public and, you know, vice versa. Um, and, you know, as far as boards and commissions, and I'm, I'm just going to say this right now to everybody listening. What my suggestion is to you is to pick, like, go, just have the commitment to just do what the city needs you to do. Be on a board or commission that doesn't have a lot of involvement. Don't pick the one that you think you might like the best. We've all, you know, don't pick the parks and rec department because you get to do all kinds of fun openings of like that because parks and rec is a fun commission. Pick something that you know nothing about. Pick something like planning and zoning would be something that a lot of people don't know anything about. And just have the idea that you're there to learn more about how your city works. Instead of trying to have influence all the time, try to just educate yourself and, you know, be there to understand more about that. And the other thing too that I'll say is, um, we've interviewed, um, a lot of people that are, that are, um, running for government. We have a record number of people in the Metroplex that are running for all these local official, um, places, the school board meetings and the city councils and mayors. And a lot of them have not been ever served on any type of commission and they have no understanding of how the city government works. So if you have any interest in running for government or running for one of your local spots, do one of these commissions first because you'll learn a lot about budgeting and like all the boring stuff that nobody thinks about. But um, that was just my public service announcement for everybody that's listening. So um, one question I did have, because I think that this is, this is a relevant one for right now. Now you guys can't impose changes on zones, zoning, but you can put moratoriums on there. So, and we have a question about that. What is a moratorium? Simply put, a moratorium is a, a standstill, a stop. You, so the moratorium we have right now is on multifamily development, and that includes uh, several different types of, of housing. So the apartments, uh, single family townhomes, hybrid housing, kind of the a villa built to rent. And so what the moratorium means is that if you want to come in and rezone your property in multifamily, you cannot submit an application. We will not accept it. You can't submit the site plan uh, if there's not an a project already in progress. So the, the goal of the moratorium is we've seen all of this multifamily development in the past several years. And we're saying, okay, we need a second. Let's make sure that we've got the infrastructure that we need. 
that we know the implications of this and figure out if there's you know changes we need to make to our development standards and really to give us a, a break to to look at all of this development that's going on and has gone on and kind of catch up and make sure that we're still headed in the right direction. So there's requirements and legally that you have to, to prove that you can't just say, I'm gonna put a moratorium on gas stations. It's- That was gonna be my next question. What is what is the rights of the city government to impose a moratorium? Like, do they what, what do you have to do to even be able to do one to start with? Sure, and it's you can't say I'm going to put a, a moratorium on X because I don't like it. It's got to be you've got to prove that there's cre creating a a problem that there's not enough in infrastructure or that it will create that. Mm -hmm. So there are are very specific requirements that the city has to follow, and so that you know cities aren't arbitrarily putting moratoriums on things. It's it's tied to this this need, the essential. Uh, public services and facilities and and really uh, for that that purpose <laughs> yeah how long do they last once you put one in how does it depend on the situation yes and so the the current moratorium is was approved on the i believe march 2nd and so it's for four months now there is the option to extend that and uh, a few years ago, we had a moratorium on industrial development, and that's when we took a look at our industrial development standards and made those changes. So it's it's designed to to take a look at, at what's going on and, and help us prepare to, to solve any issues, any future issues. And it's not just, you know, I, I don't like this type of use. Let's let's, you know, put a hold on it. Yeah. And you know, one thing that you did make a point about um, just a second ago is you talked about permitting. Now zoning, when something is zoned something, that does not necessarily mean that you know what is going to go into that space. So if it's zoned retail, you know, you can't, I don't know, and I don't know what the city, if the city has any say at all. And like, let's say that we have a shopping center and there's all these different spaces available. You can't go in and say, or I don't know if you can or not, what is allowed to go into that shopping center if it's privately owned by a citizen? You know, let's, you know, liquor stores is a great example because that was something that we, we had. It's not like you have control over what a private owner does with that property once it's zoned a certain way, but, do, but the city, but the owner does have to get a permit to have these, correct? So I don't know, explain that a little bit more about individual businesses and what the city has, how the city is involved in that. Sure. So our zoning districts, we've got in our unified development code, a long list of all of these different types of uses. And if that use is allowed in that zoning district, then the developer can put that user in there. We can't say, nope, it's allowed. They can put that in. So it goes by the, I gotcha. Okay. Right. So the thing we look at in the current planning development review is again, the, the design standards. We have a several corridor overlay districts, so along 20, 30, 161, 360, and Lake Ridge. And any development that occurs in those corridors have kind of, if you want, want to think of it, super zoning, like extra requirements. And that's in our Appendix F corridor district overlay standards. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we look at is the building design, the use of different materials, windows, articulation, we have requirements for kind of additional landscaping. And so that's what 
what we look at when, when businesses come in and, and build new buildings. So we cannot say, you know, this one type of business versus this other. So, you know, one restaurant versus a rest, another restaurant, mm-hmm. they are the same use. They function similarly. So it's, it's um, not, now economic development can work on recruiting certain users, but as far as zoning goes, you know, one, one gas station is the same as another gas station. Right, right. You city council people can't, the city council people can't go, uh, no, we don't want that there, uh, private owner of this, uh, you know, this, this business um, or this, this facility. Um, you may, and you made another good point. And while I have you on here, you know, it's like, these are all the questions that you're bringing to my mind. Um, you know, and a lot of, there's the, the, the standards that you're talking about are the same standards that realtor or or real estate, you know, residential real estate has for like plumbing, electricity, like all these things that were a code at one point and then they get updated over time. So it's like, if I sell my house and it was built in the 1960s, it has a certain type of electricity that was allowed at the time. I don't have to continually update my property to accommodate to the current standards. So that's why you'll see a difference between a warehouse that's been there for 70 years and another one that's been there for five years because you're, and you're not going to enforce those new codes always on the old buildings because they're probably grandfathered in. But what do you do when you're trying to kind of update a, a space where there's existing businesses and maybe the code is kind of shifting, um, you know, and you want to try to do standardized colors or standardized things for the outside. How do you as a city engage with the current businesses and try to encourage them to kind of update their facilities to kind of get along with the new code? Does that make sense? Does my question make sense? It does. And and there are kind of a lot of different ways to look at that. We have a code compliance division that they make sure that, that people are following the code. So if you aren't mowing your grass, uh, that might get a citation. The uh, idea is to to keep uh, property owners uh, keeping their their property in in good repair, and and same goes for buildings. As, yeah, as far and as compliance, people are not going to come in and go in. Can I look at your Can I look at your electricity now? Because we're just checking in just to make sure. Like unless there's something that's causing a hazard or some kind of safety issue for the city, the code compliance. It we I, I want to make sure that people understand to take the same standards that we have for residential prop right to business owners. And I think that I'm trying to create a bridge between understanding of the same way that a city can't come in and force you to paint your house. They can't go in and force a business to paint their business either, or to change the facade of the outside, you know, thinking about main street, you know, trying to update some of the facades on main street would be a good example. It's not an overnight thing. So I guess that's, that's, you, you made a good point of code compliance that, you know, and I wanted to make that difference of, yes, they can come and tell you to do that, but they, they're not going to make sure, tell you what to change on your property. Does that right. Make sense? So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, if you've got, you know, peeling paint and the, the windows are falling off, we can say, fix the windows, uh, mm-hmm. repaint it. We can't say paint it lime green or purple, or <laughs> I, I really think you should, should add brick or stone here. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> we, right. can, we can be very specific with, with new construction, but again, not existing building. Yeah. So yeah, like the main street is a good, is a good example of kind of what I was asking. Like when you're trying to get a bit like an area kind of updated and you're trying to encourage the business owners to do that, how do you go about even starting that process? Or do y'all have a different, completely different apartment that, that does those types of things? 
So a lot of the downtown activities has been, been done by Rita Heap, mm-hmm. and she's oversaw the Main Street facade renovations, and there were uh, grants, and and you know they worked alongside business owners, and and I don't know all the details, but that was city initiated and 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 done, and I, I've seen photos of the before and after, and it, it's so cool what what she and and others have been able to do downtown. Yeah, and there's been financial incentives, and that was, I'm, I'm glad that you said that, because there's been financial incentives for the owners to do things. Like, let we want you to do this, so let us help you, and this is how it's going to benefit. Um, but again, what I want, what I want listeners to know is the same property rights that you have as a property owner are the same property rights that a business person has on their property, too, and there's, there's pro- procedures that have to go along with it. The city doesn't just own every single business and have the entire right to just go in and make all these choices. And I see people say that a lot. And I know that's such a silly thing to point out, but I think that a lot of people really feel that way, or at least some do, that they think that the city has a lot more control and power over things that they don't have control and power over. And we're glad that you don't, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so... Um, but it's like when, when there's something that goes in that they don't like, it's like all of a sudden, like, why can't so-and-so do that about it? Well, because there's laws and, you know, ordinances and things that are kind of in place. Um, and so and that goes to your point of, of getting involved on boards and commissions and, and calling staff up and saying, Hey, what's the point of zoning? What's the process? And, and really getting to know kind of the process and, and what goes on. We are working on a couple of tools to kind of bridge that gap. So we've got a development guide online. So if you don't want to read the, you know, 700 page unified development code, it's about a, th- a 30 page document and it just outlines, these are the steps. These are the different divisions involved. So it's not just planning. We've got building inspections, engineering, transportation, and public works. And so that's a, a good tool. If you just want to read over it, it gives a, a good snapshot of that overall process, which there's a lot of nuances and intricacies. And so it, it can be a little daunting if, if you're not a part of, if you're not a developer, if you don't work for the city. And so that's a, a, good, a good place to start. The yeah. other thing we're working on is we're currently about two years into a software implementation and I can, you know, guess that people's eyes are glazing over because who <laughs> wants to talk about software implementation, but the, the cool thing about it is it's going to give us the tools to work better, to work smarter. Right now, if someone calls me up and says, Savannah, what's going on at this location? Well, I can look at the planning division's case log, pull up, okay, well, city council approved a site plan a couple of years ago. This is what it's for. The resident says, well, they're moving dirt. Have they gotten any permits? Well, I've got to open up a new software and look up there. And well, maybe the permit hasn't been issued by the building inspection department. Maybe they've got a public works permit. And so this software kind of brings all of those different processes and software into one house. So I can easily pull up that information and um, see, okay, these are the the permits, the activities going on and better help uh, customers. The other really exciting thing is that it's gonna allow us to put a lot of that information on our website. So it'll give citizens the tools to to figure out what's going on to, you know, 
pan through the map and see, oh, okay, uh, zoning change is, is pending here or there's a building permit issued for that. And so it's uh, been a long process, but we have high hopes for it and uh, stay tuned on that. We wanna make government accessible that uh, let people know what's going on and give them the tools to, to find that information. And as always, we're, we're here to answer your calls and, and uh, talk to you about it. But again, that's a, another resource that we're in the middle of implementing. Well, I know that you say I've glazed over, but I, so I'll put it to people this way. If you've ever built a new house and you have called to ask where your permit is for your house or the builder's trying to call and ask for the permit for a house and you've done it in a in a city that has terrible software and none of their departments talk to each other and you can't find anybody on the phone, just getting an answer to that question, which I have done numerous times, is very difficult. And you don't want that. And, and I think that's another assumption probably people make is that all these departments are connected with each other that you can access whatever. Well, what you're saying is that that's what y'all are doing, but that's not how they're, it's set up. This is gonna make, it's gonna streamline a lot of processes for, for not only, you know, for the residents, but for everybody that's in the city. That sounds really amazing. Um, and it makes it a lot easier for y'all to answer questions um, and to kind of give updates. I think that that's really, really cool. And I don't know if that I'm just a weirdo because that kind of stuff interests me. But like, um, you well, know, that's not, not something you think about when you think about planning and zoning. The, the first question isn't, hey, what software are they using? But it, it's going to be a, a, a great tool, I think. And we're working really hard, uh, you know, Software implementations don't always go smoothly and there are bumps along the road. But another thing is, you know, right now, if you want to build a house, you've got to go down to City Hall, uh, submit the, the permit. With this new software, you're going to be able to do that from home. You're going to be able to pay online and create account. You'll see, OK, th this is exactly where my permit is. It still has this step and this step before it's issued. And it's going to be a really cool tool. So I, I'm excited about it. Wow, and that's awesome. That's awesome. With the amount of permits that I'm sure you guys issue on a regular basis, which I think people would be shocked at how many permits there are actually that people have to get for a lot of different things. That's going to make it a lot easier. And um, the other thing too is like flats, surveys, you know, how was my, how is my land? And with, I think that we do have quite a few homeowners, especially that are maybe splitting their lots up and selling them in two different places, building smaller houses on two different lots, trying to help them with this housing inventory. You know, these are all going to help people to get a hold of that, that documents, it sounds like, and to kind of know where everything stands, which is kind of cool. So it is. We're, we're excited about the software implementation. Want to make it easy for people to, to access that information and be involved with what's going on. And it's going to allow us to, to better serve citizens of Grand Prairie and, and work better together. Yeah, um, I put Rita Heap on my list because Rita's a friend of mine. Um, and so I'm gonna call her next. You're actually my first person from the city, I think that I've actually talked to in this way. So what, what are some other suggestions? Who do you think, what other departments do you think I should call that you think people would get a lot of use out of knowing more about? That's a good question. There are so many people who work for the city who have been here a long time, have such a wealth of knowledge, people who are really passionate about what they do. And it, it's not just a job, it's, it's 
you know, kind of a calling. And so I, I think you could call probably anyone in the city and, you know, that they'd, they'd be happy to, to talk to you about, about what they do. It, it's, it's kind of great, but I, I think Rita would be an awesome interview yeah. and a great resource. Well, and, uh, and the other thing I think that would be kind of interesting is, um, there's a woman that's the director over the, um, the trash, uh, not the trash, the, the city dump, um, that runs all that. And I think that's a more complicated thing than most people even realize. I need to call her too. Cause I think that that would be a really interesting interview. Um, but I think I'm going to do this a lot more because I think that people get a lot of value out of that. And then they get to see what you look like. And, you know, oh, there's a person right there that does this. <laughs> it's right. Not- it's not just, you know, some <laughs> bureaucrat that's, you know, monotone on the phone, but I mean, we're people here and we, we love what we do. And it's, it's fun talking to people about Grand Prairie. We, we're, we're pretty biased in that we think it's awesome. So um, I, I appreciate you giving me a call to do this interview. Yes, I'm so glad you had a chance to do it. And I really appreciate your time. And I guess, I, I hope we'll see each other soon. Hopefully we'll have a lot more stuff going on in the near future and we can mix and mingle at some point in time when all this kind of gets better. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, but thank you again. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh Bye. Have a great day. You too. Bye.